Welcome back to the Green Zone. I'm Britton Gray with Drew Remenda here. Jamie's not here today. Not here till next week. And before we get on to our next guest, who I'm very excited to talk about because it's about Dallas Cowboys football. A quick update from the Viterra Scotties going on. Uh, Anderson's rink is leading Orsted 6-3. to three. Mitchell Ninglot tied at 5. Holland and Martin. Martin leads that 5-4. to four. And Skylar Ackerman scores 2 in the 7th to tie Tisdale. That game tied at 5. But yes, let's talk some Dallas Cowboys football. Joined here by George Dunham of 96.7 FM, the ticket in Dallas. How are you doing today, George? I could be better. It feels like it's Canada out here with the cold weather and the snow we're having. <laughs> I mean, we got to minus 50 last week, so I don't know if you're down quite that far. Well, we were, we've were we been down to about 8 and 10 degrees and a little bit of snow. And, you know, the power grid around here is kind of like the Cowboys. It works well until the big day. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard a better analogy for how the Dallas Cowboys have been over the past few decades at this point. All right, so Mike McCarthy coming back for his final season said they're as disappointed as the fans are that they didn't reach the championship and, and get take steps forward. What was your thoughts from the message from Mike today about him coming back and how he thinks he can finally get this team over the hump? Well, I don't know if he can, to be honest. I mean, he was outcoached in in schematics and in effort. It didn't seem like they were prepared. Uh, You know, the message is, hey, buy into us, but it's pretty hard to do when you've had the experience we've had as the Cowboys, you know, over the last 26, 28 years. Trust me. Oh, go on. Go ahead. I was just said I, I know that. I follow the Cowboys very closely up here. <laughs> yeah, you know, Drew, I think uh, he's the winningest Cowboys coach during the regular season. And if they were going to improve on the coaching, you know, the only really the only answer was probably Bill Belichick. I understand why they kept Mike, but I think most of the fans here were looking for a change, even if it meant maybe not making the playoffs, but something has got to change. I mean, there's some coaching. Definitely he got outcoached and from a time management and clock perspective. Uh, you know, he's, he's lacking. So, you know, if there was a chance to get Bill Belichick, we should have done it. George, when when we look at um, uh, Mike McCarthy, and, we, and Britton and I were talking about it just earlier before you came on, the the overall feeling from media, uh, primarily, the the fact that he's not that great of a coach. He's he's, and you talked about some of the issues that that do, that have followed him. But when, how do you, as a as a coach of Mike McCarthy, look at the three 12 win seasons in a row, and then the yes, the one playoff win? How do you reconcile between is he a good coach or is he just not the coach you need in the postseason? Well, I don't know if you can. I mean, I think he's definitely probably not the coach we need in the postseason. Now, the the fact that he's got one Super Bowl under his belt. Uh, but I think, you know, he's got a problem in the locker room. How can you look the guys in the face and they're going to believe in you when really, I mean, I, I think it, it lays with him that they cared. That's, that's my next question is well, the trust in the trust in the locker room. Yeah. I don't, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to gauge the feeling, uh, but you know, from here outside looking in. You know, it looks like they're close, and, and do you want to go backwards by bringing in another coach? But maybe it's, it's uh, you know, what was really disappointing is the defense, right? I mean, they were the ones, to me, that just didn't show up. And, you know, Dan Quinn's got, what, four or five offers out there, and so maybe uh, if they're going to have to bring in a new defensive coordinator and, you know, some other strong-minded, strong-willed coaches that will help, you know, complement what Mike is already doing. 
We're joined here by George Dunham of 96.7 FM, the ticket in Dallas. Jerry Jones, as an owner, he's viewed as being erratic, but he actually has a lot of patience with coaches who want to stick around. He lets them finish out their contracts, let do with Jason Garrett. Is that a positive or a negative at this point with the Dallas Cowboys? My belief, I think it's a negative for this, for where we're going, right? We've got all the pieces in place and we need a, we need a better, a better leader in that locker room. And I think, you know, Jerry's got to be quit being so comfortable and be willing to take a risk, right? He's got to be willing to take some risk. And obviously he's done that throughout his career with, you know, a lot of the business decisions he's made, but it feels like he's in such a place of comfort here that he does, he's worried, too worried about going backwards instead of taking that next step to get us to the Super Bowl and get some playoff victories. And let's be That's honest, Jerry doesn't have many years left. He doesn't have many years left for us to get to this point. Yeah, That's, it's an interesting point because people are going to come watch football when the Dallas Cowboys are playing. So you're right, he doesn't have to worry about a, a dwindling attendance. When when you look at this team, though, like, do you believe that they've got the guys to do it? Like You, you talked about the window being open. Do they have the window as open as it can be right now if they would just make that risky move, changing the coach? Well, if you could get Belichick, I don't think they can. I think that's I think that that ship has sailed on Belichick. But look, we got three pro, three all pros on the offensive line. You got who's becoming one of the best receivers in the game with Ceedee Lamb. And look, Dak is still Dak, right? I mean, he's but he's but he's in the top ten in quarterbacks. Yep. Plus, we've got you know some uh, Micah Parsons. So there is definitely the core elements of a great team here. So I don't know if uh, you know if McCarthy's going to be able to get it done or not. But the but the talent on the field, any I think anybody else in the league would like the talent that the Cowboys have. You you talk about Dak Prescott. I've been one of Dak Prescott's uh, uh, defenders. I, I think he can lead this the Dallas Cowboys to a Super Bowl. I think he can do that. But I saw just the, after the game, of course, a lot of questions. What do you do about Dak? Is Dak really the guy? What's your feelings now as we enter the, whatever season this is now of him starting for this team? And can he be that guy to eventually get to the NFC Championship again for this team? I think he can get us to the NFC Championship. It's, uh, I think it's still unknown. Can we get to the big game, right? I mean, there's just too many turnovers during crunch time, you know, and well, the biggest thing is all season they've disappointed in every game where the expectations were high. Right outside of the Eagles game, which shows that the Eagles probably weren't playing that great anyway. It's just you know, as a Cowboys fan, when it comes to those big games, much like our power grid, right? You wonder is it going to are they going to hold up? <laughs> um, if, but if if you look at this this team, and, and I think you've done a great job in describing the, the positives of this team. You're going so the decision's made. You're going forward with McCarthy. Where else do they need them to change, or and or improve? Well, I think the running game has definitely got to improve. Right, we could have used. I think if we had a a, a more explosive runner, you know, Pollard started out the season really great, uh, kind of ended the last half of the season not not as strong, uh, and that could take some of that pressure off of Dak for him having to do everything. So, you know, I think a, a much stronger running game would be very helpful in releasing some of that pressure that's on Dak to make every play. Is there, there's always pressure on the Dallas Cowboys just because they are the Dallas Cowboys, one of the most recognizable brands in the world. 
But with the fact that as of right now, they're paying Dak, but the CD contract's coming up, the Micah Parsons contract is going to come up, and they're going to be spending a lot of money on possibly just those three. So does it really feel like there's even more pressure to get something done before you have to pay all these guys what they are going to deserve? Yes, there is definitely more pressure, and this should be the most aggressive offseason ever. If they really want to win the Super Bowl, then I think Jerry's going to have to break the bank, and he's going to have to go out and make – if he's not willing to fire the coach, he's going to have to go out and make some moves. You, you talk to the fans in Dallas. You, you, you listen to what they have to say. Overall, what is the feeling? Is it, is it the same as yours? Are they in agreement with the way you're looking at the team? Well, I think most fans are already that thought something had to happen. You, you had yeah. to see the earlier this season the Chargers game with the Raiders. It was you know they beat them sixty-one to twenty. That's the first time ever I thought during a game that they should go in and fire the coach at halftime with Brandon Staley. I literally felt yep. the same way yep. in this playoff in this playoff game. When they were down 27 to nothing, I thought should go in and fire Holmgren, I mean uh, McCarthy right now. It, it was honestly, it was at at halftime the, the people that I was around watching the game, we were absolutely astonished at how it was going. Absolutely astonished and nobody could kind of put their finger on what the heck is going on besides the the one pick six, but other than that, it was Nobody saw this coming, did they? No, out we're out coached. Nobody saw it coming, right? We kind of everybody as a fan thought, "Hey, this is this is the year." We've had those losses. We just beat the Eagles, you know, a few weeks before that. This is going to be the year, but they're just out coached. I mean, how do you have wide receivers so wide open in a game with this magnitude? I'm wide open. Romeo Dobbs wide open. I mean, players aren't even within you know ten yards of them. I know I was very frustrated watching that game, George. Well, George, thanks for uh, joining us today. Really appreciate it. And, and enjoy uh, Dallas, Texas. Hopefully it gets warmer there sooner than later. Hey, I hope so. I got two things before we go. First, if there's any if there's any plus in us losing this game, it's the fact that I hope Skip Bayless stops being a fan of ours. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. We put everything in the garbage. He put everything in the garbage. <laughs> That's right. So I hope I hope he's done being a fan of ours. And then lastly, I want to say to uh, one of my uh, radio producer friends out there, Gary Delabate, happy birthday. Excellent. <laughs> Absolutely. Happy birthday, Gary. Once again, thank you for joining us, George. Really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thank you. That was George Dunham from 96.7 FM, the ticket in Dallas, Texas. I think he summed it up. I mean, I, I voiced my frustrations, and it seems like there's Dallas uh, Cowboy fan frustrations everywhere that another Mike McCarthy uh, year, and we'll see if it leads to just disappointment again. I'm Britton Gray with Drew Remenda on the Green Zone on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Welcome back to the Green Zone on this Thursday. I'm Britton Gray, joined by Drew Remenda here. And Drew, always nice to talk some Cowboys and not nice to know I'm not the only one losing my mind <laughs> over Mike McCarthy being brought back. But uh, there's something you want to talk about here. Well, it, it has to deal with Texas. Um, and we all know that Texas University has the uh, the Longhorns, have the Hook'em Horns sign, right? Yep. And some some teams that went against them in football started doing the Horns Down sign. Which is so the hook'em horns is just your index and your pinky finger up, and every other finger tucked in. You've got 
basically two horns. And the hook em horns thing was just put your fingers down. As in, we got him down, we beat him. So that actually became a penalty in college football. It's a 15-yard taunting penalty. Uh, last night in the game of the University of uh, Central Florida versus Texas uh, A&M, and in a basketball game, Texas A&M started out poorly in this season of basketball, and they lost last night to uh, UCF after having, I think, a 16-point lead. And Rodney Terry, the coach of Texas, went after the UCF players, who a few of them, five or six of them, um, did the hook them, hook the horn sound, uh, horns down uh, sign. And he yelled at them, told them to knock that bleep off. It's classless. Complained about it in the, uh, in the post-game press conference. Uh, you know my view on this, Britain, as far as if you don't like them doing it, don't allow them to do it by beating them. The other aspect of it is how soft, how absolutely soft Rodney Terry is when he finds this hurts his feelings, and he, we actually penalize it. They actually penalize it in football. Your thoughts on taunting in that type of manner? I mean, I, I, I love it. That's what sports is about, right? You take something the other team does, and you throw it in their face when you beat them. That's how it should be. And I agree with yeah. you, Drew. If you don't want them to do it, don't put them in a position to do it. 100%. Beat them. Stop them from doing it. Don't give up a ton of, ton of points at the end. I think they gave up six, if I remember correctly. But it's not been a good start for Rodney Terry, and maybe he's just feeling a little bit frustrated with the way that the, his team is playing. But overall, <laughs> the one thing I, you know, it's not these kids nowadays. I'm not doing that. I'm doing that the people who are governing this, making this a penalty in football of all sports, one of the toughest sports with the exception of fighting out there, making this a penalty. So if I'm bashing your head in and you're bashing mine in in the game and everything's going fine and no rules are broken except when I look at you and go, gotcha, and point my finger at you, that's when we're going to start penalizing guys? I think we're. I think that needs to be re- reanalyzed. It's something. Let's get to the one-minute drill. The Edmonton Oilers are riding a franchise record 11-game winning streak as they host the Seattle Kraken on a busy night in the NHL. Also tonight, the struggling Toronto Maple Leafs, losers of four straight, visit the Calgary Flames, who have won four in a row. Elsewhere, the Ottawa Senators host the Montreal Canadiens, and the Vancouver Canucks are home to the Arizona Coyotes. Mike McCarthy will get another chance to end the nearly three-decade stretch without a deep playoff run for the Dallas Cowboys. Team owner Jerry Jones says McCarthy will be back for a fifth season as coach after a stunning 48-32 wildcard loss to Green Bay. The divisional round of the NFL playoffs begins on Saturday. The Viterra Scotties are underway in Tisdale. Defending champion Robin Silvernagel and her rank got their first win this morning, moving to 1-1. One and one. Meanwhile, Nancy Martin and Skylar Ackerman's ranks both remain perfect at 2-0. and oh. The winner of the tournament will represent Saskatchewan at the Scotties Tournament of Hearts. That's your Green Zone Sports. I'm Britton Gray. Coming up next, we'll hear from Sal Capaccio about the Buffalo Bills ahead of their big playoff matchup. I'm Britton Gray with Drew Remenda on the Green Zone on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Welcome back to the Green Zone on this Thursday. I'm Britton Gray with Drew Remenda. Quick update as the Viterra Scotties continues in Tisdale. Of course, the winner of that will represent Saskatchewan at the Tournament of Hearts. Sherry Anderson moves to 1-1 one one with a 10-4 win over Orsted. 
Mitchell leads Inglot six to five heading into the tenth on sheet three. Amber Holland and Nancy Martin tied at five apiece into the ninth end. And then Skylar Ackerman with a few steals now leads nine to five over Tisdale. And over to you, Drew, as the Buffalo Bills head into a very interesting showdown. They certainly do, uh, Britain, and we're continuing to talk about NFL football because it is the playoffs. And Sal Capaccio joining us from WGR 550 Sports Talk Radio in Buffalo. And Sal, man, what is going on in Buffalo? You guys are getting hit by it. Uh, I mean, uh, listen, we got a lot of snow here, and you know it's uh, tough to navigate sometimes. But it's nothing we're not used to. It just kind of sunk with last week with the game being, you know, moved obviously. But you know, here we are, and you know, we get through it. That's what we do. It was amazing. I was uh, I was in Tim Hortons at the hotel, and a, a sheriff uh, officer came in, and I turned and looked at him and said, "How's your day's been going lately?" And he said, "Well, I worked 18 hours yesterday, 12 hours today, and I'm going to go do the Sabers game, which with which is what I was doing. I'm going to go do the Sabers game and uh, and do work security there." I said, "You're not going to Orchard Park?" He goes, "No, no, I'm staying away from that place right now because it's going to be really tough." <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, uh, there, there's um, there's certain areas, it depends on where you are. You could be five, two miles from where a ton of snow is and get nothing. Like in my house, most of the time here in the city where I live, we don't get as much. I mean, they're actually snowing pretty good right now. But honestly, if I drive three, four miles south, it's just basically blizzard conditions and you can't drive anywhere. It's amazing. Sal Capaccio from WGR 550 Sports Talk in Buffalo joins us. So... Will the weather be another factor Sunday versus the Chiefs? No. Um, the snow will be gone by then, and it will be about mid-20s. So pretty cold, not not overly cold. Yeah. Um, the sun will be shining out a little bit. I think, guys, if you remember watching the game against the Steelers Monday, you're going to see pretty much the same kind of aesthetic view. I think that's what it's going to look like on the field, which wasn't anything. It'll be a little challenge maybe for parking, getting some of the snow cleared for people coming in, but um, that should be about it. With the Buffalo Bills, um, they've it was an in- interesting season to say the least, right? And especially the way that you know, Josh Allen with turnovers, etc. But this see that's this team and the game against the Steelers, they really had it locked down in pretty much every aspect of their game. What have you noticed with your team after following them as closely as you do and having that insight? Um, yeah, I mean it's been an interesting season, up and down. Josh Allen has had some turnovers. He also led the league in touchdowns, right? I mean, like, right. so, you, you know, you get you get the good and the bad a lot of times, but, you know, I, I would say he's been their best player. He's been their MVP. Uh, you take you take some of those turnovers. Otherwise, you're not going to get the greatness that makes Josh. And we saw the greatness on display, you know, last Monday night against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the 52-yard run, obviously, how he was in control of the passing game uh, from the get-go. And the Bills were in control of that game. Uh, the yeah. Steelers did make it a one-score one game, but they never had it within one score in the ball. Bills went down and scored, but a lot of that was, too, because of the injuries on the defensive side of the ball for the Bills. They had to really piece it together. So, you know, they, I think Sean McDermott's done a <clears throat> really excellent job to you know, figure out the defensive side of the ball with all the injuries they've gone through this year. And they've really been the backbone of this team over this last six, seven weeks when they've gone on this run. So Patrick Mahomes coming in, playing his first playoff game besides the Super Bowl, in uh, outside the confines of Arrowhead, Arrowhead Stadium, what will that be? What do you think it'll be like for Patrick Mahomes? He's, he's great. We all know that. But how does this turn into advantage for Buffalo? Well, listen, I mean, you're coming into a really hostile environment. Yeah. Highmark Stadium is one of the loudest, <laughs> if not the loudest, 
um, stadiums in the NFL. I've been to Arrowhead many times, obviously, as a Radio Network sideline reporter, and I can tell you the stadiums are very similar. They were constructed the same way. They were constructed right around the same year. Uh, it's very enclosed. The noise is incredible. It makes it very tough on the opposing team to communicate. This is at Arrowhead now, and the same thing's going to happen at Highmark, which is like if Josh Allen, for example, at Arrowhead has to check from a pass to a run, it's hard to do that. It's hard for his guys to hear him. Um, it's hard to get the signals in from the coaching staff into his own helmet, and then you get out of the huddle late. All those things matter. Um, that's going to matter to the Kansas City Chiefs coming into Arrowhead, and I don't think they've ever, you know, Mahomes has not experienced this kind of level of noise. I did go back and look. In 2018, his rookie year, second year actually, his first year starting, he did play at Seattle. He had a really nice game, and that's a very loud environment. But, you know, in a playoff game in Buffalo, with all the history these two teams have, it's going to be the loudest, I think, that they've experienced. I'm interested to see how Mahomes and, and their offense handle that. I, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch this game. And, and I think you're right. I mean, the noise, the noise level in, uh, at Orchard Park is, is crazy. The, the situation with the Buffalo Bills, what will be different this, besides the environment, besides the weather, besides the, <coughs> the, the way that the, the Bills have been able to get their season going in the right direction seem to, be, to me to be hitting, hitting their peak at the right time. What needs to be different? To, to defeat the Chiefs? Different than when? Different than the... the, the, the last... they, beat them, uh, they beat them, you know, back in, uh, you know, about, right. what, six weeks ago. So different than what? In the playoffs. Sorry. Um, I, get, like... I would, yeah, I would say, I would say what, what has to be different is maybe just being able to, and I think they might be able to do this, is run the ball a little bit better outside of Josh Allen, right? I mean, like we've seen Josh Allen run, even in the playoff game when they went down there, you know, there were several times where he took off, but, um, you know, Josh... You remember that that crazy game went back and forth. Those lost with 13 seconds left. That was really yeah. leaning on Josh's arm the whole game. Uh, they can run the ball a little better now outside of him. James Cook's had an excellent year. Um, he's over 1,000 yards. And honestly, like the Chiefs have been a little leaky on their run defense at times this year. So it hasn't been you know, like they're horrible against it at all. But there are opportunities sometimes to run against the Chiefs. And again, I'll go back to when you have the home, home crowd environment, they'll be quiet when the Bills run offense. That'll make it a little bit easier on Josh to check make some checks at the line. If you see something, they can check out of things. They can change the play. And I think that will obviously help. But I think running the ball outside of Josh needs to be a little different, and they have that opportunity. Sal Capaccio joining us from WGR 550 Sports Talk Radio in Buffalo. Every time we talk about the Buffalo Bills um, anywhere, we also talk about the, the mafia, the Buffalo mafia. In Saskatchewan, where who you're talking to now, we have a Canadian football team, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, who pride themselves on having a rabid, passionate fan base. But tell me about this Bills fan base. Does it ever stop surprising you about the passion that the Buffalo fans have for the Bills? No, never. And, you know, I mean, they go through <laughs> 17 years of no playoffs, and they're still showing up and selling out the stadium throughout that entire time. And now and, – and, you know, that's when – during that time when the Bills weren't that good and they were still selling out the stadium, people were going because of the the camaraderie and the atmosphere to be around it. Yeah, they were supporting their Bills, but it was really still a, a weekend and a Sunday happening. And I think that's when you got a lot of the, the, the crazy stuff that was happening and the viral videos and smartphones. Because people there were there, yeah, to watch a football game, but really it was about a lot of the other stuff that was going on with it. And you know, Then you started to see all that stuff. Now you have a really good football team, and people are going every week and – you know, watching this team very intently, the largest season ticket base we've ever had here in Buffalo. There's a new stadium going in across the street right now being built. Um, that's going to be open in 2026. There's a lot of excitement like that. 
And then on top of everything, you know, I think Bill's Mafia, people associate with the, the, the crazy table jumping and people doing lots of weird right. things. But, you know, I think what needs to be said is, you know, Bill's Mafia is a, is a, is a, a term that was coined by some friends of mine, Del Reed at 26 Shirts, um, and Brayon Harris, Leslie Wiley. They were the three people who founded it. And through their efforts, what's happened now is Bill's Mafia has become really synonymous with generous donations around the country to great causes. And Del Reed started his company, 26 Shirts. It's a new shirt every two weeks for 26 you know, different times in the year. And the shirts and the proceeds go towards families in need and people, uh, children with cancer and things like that. And I think that's been what really is what Bill's Mafia is all about, is, is, is helping. We are called the city of good neighbors. And, you know, I think yeah. that that shows up in, in, the, in the term Bill's Mafia. Well, geez, I'm looking at it right now. There are some very cool shirts on on, on 26, 26shirts.com and some cup yeah. and some very, very cool stuff. Very nice Mafia for Life shirts, and that's outstanding. But Buffalo is a great sports town. I, I, I work in the NHL, so uh, we were just there with the San Jose Sharks against the Sabres. And even in a day that wasn't very nice and the, and the weather you know, and, and um, the game was on, they still put a lot of people into that building to watch the Sabres, who are a team that, that has not made the playoffs in a while. A team I thought was going mm-hmm. to be on a sell. I thought they were going to make a jump this year. I really did. So well, we all this, did. It's, yeah, yeah. But it's a very talented team. But they, this Buffalo is a great sports town, is it not? That's incredible. You know, I tell yeah. people all the time. You know, we're not we're not New York, Chicago, L.A., where there's always these other things to do. Yeah, we have other things. We have a great theater scene here. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of places to go do different things, and you can go from you know, uh, skiing in the winter and having plenty of opportunities to kayaking in the summer. We get all the seasons here, right? But when it comes time for Buffalo Bills season and Buffalo Sabres season, um, you know, our city shows up like like no other city to support these teams and these franchises. And it's been a long time for the Sabres since they've been in the playoffs. We talk about a drought. It's been since 2010-11, right? So now we're right. working on 13 years here. <laughs> and, you know, the ownership is Terry and Kim Pagula own both teams, the Sabres and Bills. And, you know, they, they inherited the longest playoff drought and continued on for a few years of the bills, but got it figured out. And, you know, here we are with the bills. And I think that people are just waiting on that to happen. The Sabres, we thought it might happen this year. I thought it might happen this year. It hasn't speaking of the weather had a game last night against the Blackhawks yeah. postponed to today. It's going to be tonight downtown at the arena. Um, yeah, we get it. We still, you'll look at the arena and see like, Oh my gosh, there should be far more people there. And I agree a lot of times, but then you'll get some nights where it's completely packed. And when they get on a run and you'll see that, Unfortunately, too, because we are so close to Canada and so many Canadian hockey fans come down here because the ticket prices might be high. You can't get in Toronto or Montreal right. or things like that. They come down here and when the Sabres play Toronto, when they play Boston, teams like that, there's too many of those fans here, too. You know, and I say that money, <laughs> we love you support our economy, I promise you. But we look forward to the day where when those teams are here and Sabres fans make sure that they're dominating the building, you know, from top to bottom. Yeah, they can't get a ticket because there's too many Sabres yeah. fans in there at all. But it's a, but again, it is a great environment when you get to go into, into Buffalo. Um, lastly, when when we look at this game and, and moving forward, um, you talked about the the running game of Allen and maybe he'd be able to move more and and might be a difference maker. Is there anything that particularly from a from a Bills point of view, and a guy who's got the insight about the Bills, is there? One area you're concerned about? Yeah, it's the injuries, especially at the second level. Yeah, of the well, yeah. I mean, the Bills are without you know six players today that are injured. Um, actually, seven counting Stephon Diggs, but it's more of a vet rest day. But so he'll be fine. But um, 
Taron Johnson's in concussion protocol, but he is limited, and hopefully he'll progress through. But you think about the two linebackers, Terrell Bernard, Tyrell Dodson missed last game. Terrell Bernard got hurt. Bale Inspector came in. He got hurt. Uh, you think about cornerback Christian Benford. Uh, he got hurt last game. He was already filling in for Rasul Douglas, who missed the game. You know, if the Bills can't get a majority of these guys back, I, I fear that Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and their offense will just target the uh, middle of the field and the second level of the defense, and it'll be really, really tough for the Bills to stop. That would be my biggest concern. That was Sal Capaccio joining Drew Amanda to talk about the Buffalo Bills and their showdown against the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up after the break, we got champs and chumps with Drew Amanda here on the Green Zone on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. You two are winners, big winners. I think you're shagadelic, baby. You're switched on. You're smashing. You tried your best and you failed miserably. The only thing I'm addicted to right now is winning. You're an idiot. Uh, you're a bad person. It is time for Champs and Chumps, and uh, again, we apologize for the technical difficulties we have had. We, it's been me here in in San Jose, California. Um, this first chump, we got, we're going to do it a little differently today. We've got one chump, two chumps and uh, two champs. The first chump is technology. How in the area in which Al Gore invented the Internet can the Internet absolutely break down? I don't know, but technology, it's going to be the, uh, it's going to be the end of us all. Trust me on that one. The other aspect is a, uh, the other chump is a police chief from North Carolina who was fired in October. And the reasons are coming out just today on why he was fired. He was fired for texting his captain's wife, his captain's wife, asking for nude photos. And then when he was confronted with that evidence, went to the city manager, and the city manager said, well, man, this isn't looking very good. And then he lied to the city manager and said, okay, I won't contact anybody anymore. And as soon as he left the city manager's office, contacted the people he absolutely uh, victimized, for lack of a better word, and asked them to do all kinds of things. In other words, he lied. But what is wrong with people? What is wrong with people texting subordinates or or co-workers' wives asking for nudes. Have you ever heard of the Internet? Oh, don't worry about that. It might not be working. On the other hand, our champs today, Britton Gray stepping in when he did absolutely outstanding job because of our problem with the Internet here from where I was broadcasting from, and Scotty Vickers, our producer, outstanding job, my man. Both of you guys, thank you very much for keeping me on the air and I hope it wasn't too bothersome for everybody else. The sound quality, hope it worked out. Let's go to the one-minute drill. The Edmonton Oilers will look to continue on their franchise record-breaking win streak. The Oilers have won 11 in a row and will try to make it 12 when they host the Seattle Kraken tonight. Meanwhile, the Calgary Flames look to keep their four-game win streak alive as they take on the Toronto Maple Leafs who have lost four straight. Elsewhere, the Ottawa Sanders host the Montreal Canadiens, and the Vancouver Canucks are home to the Arizona Coyotes.
Mike McCarthy will once again be given a chance to get the Dallas Cowboys on a deep playoff run. Team owner Jerry Jones says McCarthy will be back for a fifth season. The top women's curlers in the province are battling it out in Tisdale at the Viterra Scotties. Nancy Martin and Skylar Ackerman have their ranks at a perfect 2-0 to start the tournament. Defending champion Robin Silvernagel and her rank got their first win this morning, moving to 1-1. The winner of the tournament will represent Saskatchewan at the Scotties Tournament of Hearts. That's your Green Zone Sports. I'm Britton Gray. One more thing before we go, you need to go to at Green Zone SK, all capitals, on X and vote for our Saskatchewan Hockey All-Star team. It is Daryl Davis, it's Jamie Nye, it's Scotty, and me, and you can vote on who picked the best team yesterday. Thanks for all your listening. Thank you to all our guests tonight. We'll hopefully get the Internet fixed by tomorrow where I'm from, and we'll talk to you then on 650 CKOM and 980 CGME.